We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. this game it was not Lamar Jackson in the air it was Lamar Jackson in this run offense on the ground I don't know if the Chiefs honestly I wonder if the Chiefs were it doesn't feel like they were as prepared as they should have been for this and that's kind of surprising you know that kind of seemed like maybe the Ravens were adjusting some things a little bit in their offensive scheme you saw what they tried to do early on against the Raiders yep. and what happened they came back to the identity that has won them a lot of football games the last couple of years they, they, they just ran the football down the mouths of the Kansas City Chiefs without really any level of 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 effort you know to, to stop them not 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 questioning the effort but just yeah. overall you know what i mean yeah and i think the frustrating part is when you watch the game you know when you're missing tackles and guys are picking up huge chunk and 30 40 yard plays it's another thing when they're just getting 10 and 12 yards because guys either they're not in the right run fits yep. as you said they're not getting off blocks chris jones playing out on the end and they kept showing it and i'm not going to pretend to know what the um the the responsibilities are because I was asking you all the questions like why don't they just do a scrape exchange like just don't have him guessing if he can't yeah. read it just tell him to go and at least mix it up to try to do something different because if we're just going to sit there and read they're going to keep calling that play because they know what we're doing but again that's the very simplistic way I have of looking at it there's gonna be a lot of people they're gonna be breaking this down the film comes out Tuesday the all 22 everybody's going to be wanting to to break all that down but uh, we have to get into some of the some of the stuff on the offense and I know um, we always talk about these stats on the positive side but some streets broke uh, we talked about Patrick Mahomes. So much was made about him not throwing an interception in September. Yep. He finally got bit uh, for trying to make a little bit too much happen when it wasn't there. And then obviously lost in the month of September for the first time in his career. 
And obviously, Chiefs not going undefeated. And now I'm always going to be the glass half, half full kind of person. It is week two. Yeah. There's a lot of young guys on this roster that got to go into a tough environment in a primetime game and go up against a team like Baltimore, who, again, is one of the three, four, five best teams in the AFC. They're not doing this against some mediocre team. Yeah. They weren't doing that with Cleveland, who's still one of the best teams in the AFC. So if you're looking for a silver lining, if you're a Chiefs fan, A, it's week two. They still have talent, but there is no mistaking that they're going to face that team again and they're going to they have the blueprint. They are going to see that stuff again, and they've got to have a better answer for it. Look, the standards have changed in Kansas City. So the conversations about this football team are not about if they can achieve greatness. We know what this team is capable of doing. So now it's about all the little things that are going to keep them from achieving that. That's why we care so much here at KC Sports Network, and that's why fans care. Is because we want to see this team, we want to see this organization achieve the highest goals. So the conversations might be tough, even if they're in week two. And yes, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of places, and a lot of things that this team needs to work on. And there's definitely some silver linings there. I'm not going to deny that. But we have to have these hard conversations, and we got we got to bring to light the reasons that this team could ultimately not make the Super Bowl. And there were plenty here. Even with, you know, the, I think one of the things that I struggle, you talk about the young guys, man, there's a lot of veterans making a lot of mistakes this week. Yep. These are not just rookies getting their first opportunities. There were some big key mistakes. The second level of defense is not all rookies. A lot of problems there. I was to say, where, before we get into my pay Tyron Matthew section, <laughs> which, which was the first one we put in there very early in that game. And before we get into the stuff, because people are pissed off and they don't want to talk about the positive stuff. They yep. don't want to hear that right now. And I get it. Um, shouldn't have to. <laughs> and they right. They shouldn't have to. But you got to give both sides and you got to be the rational person yeah. like, right down the middle and can say whatever we want right now. I can say whatever the hell we want. That was frustrating to watch, yeah. especially defensively. I'm less frustrated when I watch and guys just miss tackles because like, you know what? Figure it out. You're going to get better at that. It's a whole lot more frustrating when it just felt like we didn't have the answer yes. to what they were doing. And it didn't. And granted, Baltimore is very good at this. So I'm not going to say that the, the, the solutions to what they were doing is very simple. You ask and you see on social media that the people who know the game at that level says what they do with extra fullback, extra yeah. tight ends, the way that they do angles and the way they move guys around. It is incredibly difficult. It's one of the best teams in the AFC with a quarterback who's not great at throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. Like we saw that tonight, yet he still made a couple of plays with his arm, which is great. Lamar Jackson yeah. is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's just a unique challenge. And the Chiefs did not step up at all. And before we get into the positive stuff, I want to give you a chance. You talked a lot about the second level mm -hmm. of the Chiefs defense. What is the, the number one thing that you see live or that you saw tonight live? They're like, that has to get better. The gap assignment. I think the, the entirety of the, the linebacker court, just a lot of gap issues just up and down. All, every player on the on the linebacker level was struggling to play gap of sound. Um, I know Maddie Lane was bringing and we'll, you know, we might even have to ask Maddie a little bit of that, too, because like uh, Nick Bolton, I don't want to completely dunk on Nick Bolton the entirety of the night. He's one of three linebackers that had abysmal nights. But his gap assignment and, and, and just simple stuff there, you, like you talked about, the run fits were really poor. And that doesn't put you in a situation to go do some of the things you're good and capable of doing, which Nick Bolton in the, in the running game is very good. Anthony Hitchens can hit. He can tackle. Both of those guys, a lot of really – a lot of struggles with their run fits this week. And, I mean, they, they were lost, both of them. And, and so is Ben Neiman. We'll come back to all of this, I'm sure, a couple of different times with Craig Stout and with Matty Lane. Yeah. We're going to want to get their takes out on the defense. But the one thing that I'm going to tease for later in the show is if we play Baltimore again down the road, do you see Chris Jones playing inside more? Do you see some sort of an adjustment? I'm not going to pretend to know what that answer is, but it got exposed. It was brought up, and it was a thing yeah, in I mean, this game. So I, I'm not going to pretend. Yeah. We can put a pin in this one and come back to we it. We can come back to it. Let's let's talk a little more on the positive side. That's just Tyron Matthew. You knew when you got out on the field that you were going to get 
the instincts, the ability to make plays on the ball. That is what he's about. It's weird because I expected a Tyron Matthew-led defense to not have some of the issues that we saw. Yeah. And so not that that's on him or whoever. They are going to figure that out, and that's the one part that's easy for me is they will figure it out. And whoever's fault, that that is not a fun plane ride. That oh, they no. are coming. It is late. They are probably not going to take off for about another two hours mm-hmm. from that airport. That is not a fun trip uh, coming back this late. But uh, let's talk about Tyron Matthew, what he did. Um, they highlighted on the broadcast the guy just knows how to – he knows what he's doing back there, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Well, you you, you saw a little bit earlier. It. <laughs> it like, I don't know how else to be like. It's it's what it's what it's supposed to look like. He he's he's the not only the instincts, the ball skills, the communication standpoint. Oftentimes, you see him. He's you know he's he's the he's the leader back there, and they missed that last week a little bit. Tyron Matthew almost had three interceptions, and that third interception, they really needed it. Yeah. They really needed that interception because nothing with that front seven was really doing much of anything. Uh and you know his his impact is immeasurable. Uh, I don't know where. Imagine where they'd be right now without Tyron Matthew in this game. This game isn't even a conversation potentially. Uh, if Tyron Matthew doesn't go out and make the plays, he came this close to getting a third interception in his first game back. <laughs> that kind of was the deciding factor in some ways. <laughs> they needed three. This defense needed three interceptions, unfortunately. But pay Tyron. Biting my tongue. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying not to. But we again, everybody who's watching, we appreciate everybody who's watching. We see all the comments coming through. Uh, we're gonna start bringing some of those on. So if you have questions about it, there's a ton of them flying through right now. We will try to get to as many of those as we can. And again, talked about it off the top, but special thank you to the Bullpen Brawl and Grill out here in Overland Park. We're at 135th in Quivira. It's where we're going to be for the next few weeks until our future home of these post-game shows, not just for this year, but for years to come. Uh, we'll be at the Kingdom Bar and Grill. We'll be at 127th in Antioch in Overland Park. Uh, that's where we will be down the road, but a special shout out to everybody here at the Bullpen. It's been taking care of us the last couple of weeks, and we will continue to be here for the next few weeks before that. Let's switch to the other side of the ball, talk about some of the positive things that we saw and things that you can build on from an offensive standpoint looking down that you had to have McCole Hardman who was a popular topic on social media this week yeah. uh, a lot of eyes on him and has an opportunity to get some targets made some plays that's a positive thing no matter how you look at it Byron Pringle had a chance to make some plays some other guy Demarcus Robinson gets a chance with the ball in the end yeah. zone to go up and make a play it was great to see those guys step up at a time where Tyreek didn't see the huge impact. Tyree, or Travis Kelsey got his late, but it was great to see, not to say those role players, but those other guys that everybody got a chance to eat tonight. We've had a lot of conversations this entire summer about the secondary weapons. You know, the guys outside Tyree Kill, the guys outside Travis Kelsey. Who's going to step up? Who's going to make some plays for this team? And, you know, all these guys have capabilities and abilities that will fit certain games. And turn out all of them this week made a lot of sense. And, you know, the, all, th- you know all three of those kind of pass catchers that we've had a lot of conversation about, they all stepped up. They all did some really good things this week. You know, Byron Pringle, an outstanding finish, a 40-plus yard catch for a touchdown where, you know, it was mostly yards after the catch. Patrick Mahomes kind of had an easy job a couple times in these couple of these touchdown passes because some guys were making some plays for him. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, an, an excellent catch, uh, you know, in, in the end zone. McCole Hardman, highly targeted. I believe he had, I think it might have been eight targets. I think, that, you know, he had eight targets this week. And, you know, he, I think he, he wound up, you know, Having a pretty decent game. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, he's it's, tied for the lead. He and Kelsey both had eight targets. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, th- this was a game that some of these secondary weapons, and we kind of talked about that a lot on the Casey Laboratory. Some of these secondary weapons, this could be a game where they try to do that. And it happened. And guys stepped up, and the offense was humming for 40 minutes. Yep. 35 points in 40 minutes. I know, well, tw- one was a defensive touchdown by Tyron Matthew. 
the annoying part of it is from an offensive standpoint until the the play at the end yeah there's going to be ebbs and flows throughout the game but it never felt like even when we were all kind of like not trusting the defense at the end to yeah. not stop it was like it's fine we're gonna get the ball back like not a big deal and two plays later we're in field i looked at you it was like it took 10 seconds when we're in field goal range and then i see some of the comments coming through here saying conservative andy cost us the game and we talked about it and I know Maddie Lane was sitting with us at the table saying, don't play for a field goal, like go score a touchdown. Tucker saying, go for the touchdown. And I'm sitting here saying, I'm good with whatever works. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you're going to be critical if you go for the touchdown, he throws an interception, gets strip sacked, something happens. You're going to criticize. You've got Harrison Butker, just go for the field goal. You know, that's going to be somewhat automatic at that level. Yeah, I think they were trying to run the clock out because they didn't trust their defense. I think they were kind of trying to maybe play a little bit more conservative approach. But the ball, the, the Chiefs lost the game and the ball wasn't in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And that always hurts, right? And it's not just the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball necessarily. It's the fact that they handed the ball to Clyde Edwards-Lair. Clyde Edwards-Lair, he didn't protect the football after Patrick Mahomes had made two great plays, you know, to you know get that team within field goal range like it was nothing. It was an easy pickings. And then they tried to change what they were doing. They went back to handing the football off to try to kind of Manage the clock, sit on the football a little bit, play for a 40-yard field goal to win the football game, and that's what happened. A fumble. It's frustrating because the ball didn't end up in Patrick Mahomes' hands. He was turning around and handing it off. Yeah, that that's the part that's going to sting when you look back at this game. Yeah. Not just when you guys go back and watch the film. you got to let me know how that goes <laughs> and, and what that is like. Um, but as, as incredibly frustrating as that is, I'm going to try to do the best segue I can right here. But one thing that is not frustrating, if you are in – Trying to get a new house, trying to refi, whatever you go, call Fairway Independent Mortgage. They make the home loan process as simple as possible by guiding you through every step, just as they've done for the past 25 years. Call Jennifer Dixon at 816-390-8898. That's 816-390-8898. Great rates, a focus on customer service, and the fastest term times in the industry. Again, that is Fairway Independent Mortgage. Just the best I can do uh, for something like that. You did great, buddy. As best I can do, we do appreciate Fairway Independent Absolutely. Mortgage, the Bullpen Bar and Grill, Big Cedar Golf, everybody that supports us here on the post game show, and obviously everybody who's watching right now and hate listening. We know <laughs> everybody who's out there right now is just pissed off and listening, trying to either agree with us as we're mad or they're trying to listen to make us feel better. So we're going to play both here just because that's naturally where we're at. You were fired up about that defense, and I want to give you a chance. And this is the question I had for you, and we didn't talk about this before, so I apologize for putting you on the spot. Yeah. One of the things that I said all offseason, one of the guys that I thought was going to make a huge impact that we were going to feel is Jaron Reed. When you look at the interior defensive line, we know Chris Jones more on the outside now. What is happening there with those guys? Because, again, whether on the outside, whether they're going through the inside, there are problems all over the place. There's not that consistent just making a few negative plays to force those third and long situations. Yeah, I don't know if they're thinking too much and if there's just a lot going on there with some of the adjustments to some of the schemes, but I don't think these guys are playing fast and I don't think they're playing the whole point of attack. And I think they're getting pushed off the ball a lot easier than I thought they would. Because these is this is not the this is the most stout interior defensive line that Steve Spagnolo has had in his time here in Kansas City. And yet both of these guys, I'm going to speak to Derek Nadia and Jaron Reed, both of these guys that you kind of expected to maybe play the run a little bit, but be more stout at the point of attack. They haven't, you know, I don't think they've held their end of the bargain entirely. I do think some of the issue could potentially be that linebacker level too. I don't want to completely, you know, absolve the linebacker too because some of it is just, you know, maybe they're in their gap a little bit. Maybe what the, yeah. the moments they are, you know, kind of playing the run a little bit decently and holding the point of attack. The, the backers aren't there making, you know, plays and getting to the gap. And one of the guys that we know is going to step up here, he's probably fired up. He's got red hair. He's known as the big institution. So let's welcome on Mr. Craig Stout right now to help us explain 
help us figure out what it is that went on during this game. So there he is, Mr. Craig Stout. Thank you for joining us on this very frustrating evening as the Chiefs lose 36-35. Craig, down in Wichita, we're up here in Overland Park. It's still good to see you, my friend. Yeah, it's still good to see you guys, even under some less than ideal circumstances. This defense was awful. (laughs) Absolutely awful all night long. A lot of questions that we had about this defense after week one that we thought maybe Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, maybe getting Willie Gay back might evolve this defense a little bit. Well, we got two of the three back, and they might have been worse. This might be the worst performance of a Spags Chiefs defense yet. Just just absolutely awful all over the field. This is something. I, I will say something coming from Craig Stout because he's often the most measured person mm-hmm. on the KC Laboratory. He's one of the most measured people I know in my life. And this coming from him, I'm, I'm not trying to overhype this for you, Craig. It does say a lot. And it started on first down, Craig. I mean, the first down defense just off the bat. It started on first down, didn't it? Yeah, uh, the the Chiefs' defense allowed almost seven and a half yards per play on first down. Seven and a half yards, like that is, uh, the, yeah. Open that. I'll, I'll open mine too. Hang on, hang on. Let let's get after this. No, I uh, just absolutely awful. And here's the funny part: that's better than it was last week. The Chiefs are averaging 7.97 yards per play on first down. This is a defense that is built to get into third and longs. Steve Spagnuolo to use his exotic coverages, exotic blitzes, allowing them to get home on the quarterback force mistakes. We saw two third and long situations. Lamar Jackson throws an interception, two of those early in the game. They're not getting to those. They're not winning on first down. They're allowing these easy, easy conversions on second downs. They're allowing easy first down conversions. Just awful. It's it's awful. You have to be able. You, what's the what's the term? Ken always says this. You earn the right to rush the passer, and they are not earning that right on first and second down right now. Well, I didn't hear you guys on that one, so I'll just take this away here. I'm... <laughs> Let's go. go again on that. Let's go again. Can you hear me, Craig? Yeah, I got you now. Yeah, I got you now. You good? You got me now? Okay. So here's my question. Sorry about that. You know what? We are right now the the Chiefs run defense. Of a, of a podcast moment here. Uh, okay. In fairness, I had no idea what Tucker was saying. So I had no <laughs> idea what's going on. Like, well, what? I don't have, I don't think the Chiefs even had any idea what was going on anyway. Front seven. Was there any redeeming quality about the front seven from any, did you see any bright spots from the front seven this week? Man, I, uh, I'll give Nick Bolton as an on the line Sam a little bit of love there. There's a couple plays that he made. I thought that Anthony Hitchens made a couple plays there on that very last drive. I actually corralled Lamar Jackson a little bit, although Lamar Jackson was not trying to get to the sidelines as much, trying to stay in bounds and run the clock. So that made it a little easier than that. After that, no. Not really. I Ben Neiman was poor. The interior defensive linemen were really poor. That was supposed to be a strength 
for this defense. We talked about them all season long, and it just wasn't good. Defensive ends weren't particularly good. I mean, the the broadcast really highlighted, you know, Chris Jones in one of his first games as a defensive end in a against a rushing offense that frankly takes advantage of stiffer slower defensive ends and he was punished for it now Mike Dana wasn't any better so it's not like it was an upgrade to switch it out or to move him inside or anything like that so I nobody in the front seven was good and I think that they'll admit that like they missed tackles they couldn't get off of blocks I mean Andy Reid even said it in his postgame presser just now they didn't get off the blocks they didn't control gaps like you can't do that against the Ravens and expect to still hang in this game because Roman Lamar and that running back group, even with a backup offensive line, like we're not even talking about the fact that the Ravens had a backup offensive line and backup running backs. This offense still can take advantage of that just with misdirection and everything that they do. You have to be gap sound. You have to win up front. And the Chiefs defense did not do that. All right, so from an execution perspective, Craig, I think all 11 on defense, running and pass, there was a lot of issues there. I mean, some of the basic simple stuff. You know, how big of a difference is just some of the basic execution in this game? If, if the Chiefs create, you know, are just a little bit more basic in their execution and, and do some of the little things well, is the score different? I mean, I mean, a, a little bit. You can't execute like that. You can't line up and blow coverages. You can't have Charvarius Ward not drop into that deep third and carrying Hollywood Brown on that on that play that we saw, that long touchdown, that pop pass that Lamar Jackson threw. You can't have countless missed tackles by multiple members all over the defense. Like we're singling out Dan Sorensen because he had a ton of them, but there was a lot all throughout the front seven, a lot throughout the secondary. It's a problem. Because it doesn't matter. You know, I know a lot of people are trying to lay this at Spags' feet here. And he's certainly to blame for some of it. But it's hard to execute the game plan if you guys aren't lining up, playing it correctly, tackling the way that they need to. Like, it doesn't matter what you call on the field if people aren't running it, aren't executing it, and aren't dragging guys to the de- to the ground the way that they need to. You just get run over that way. All right, we'll find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. Craig Stout, thank you so much for spending some time for, with us. I know you're going to have a lot more takes. We've already we've put the uh, request out for the airing of grievances for the KC Laboratory episode on Monday. It's going to be a doozy. I'm looking forward to talking to you later this week. Later, guys. Yes. Uh, that was Craig Stout. We're going to bring on Maddie Lane here in a little bit, but uh, it's tough to listen to Craig right after a game not – have a lot more positive things to say i i'm a little like he is so measured in his you know he's he tries to you know be fair to people and, and he's just disgusted you can tell i've been working with him for a long time and the the disdain for what he just saw on tape is very glaring and man it's such a it was such a disjointed effort and disorganized and and it's just so uncommon for this football team that's what's so shocking it's just such an uncommon occurrence to see this this is why they fired bob sutton this is why they moved on from him these were the kind of issues that you saw in the bob sutton era at the end and 
I'm look. I love Steve Spagnuolo. I'm not. Gonna, I, I'm. I'm riding with him I've for sure. I got three texts telling me to fire. Or that uh, I have the like. You need to fire I, Steve. Spagnuolo. I will. No, I'm. I ain't about that life at all. Come on. But um, I'll. I'll defend that guy. But man, yeah. this is just uncommon. It's a bad. It's a bad performance. The guy went out there. Did not have a good game. They've got to figure it out. And good thing you've got leaders and all the cliches that people listening don't want to hear about right now. Mm-hmm. But it's the truth that it's not about showing the leadership right now. It's about showing leadership tonight on the plane tomorrow when they're watching film and then moving past it and getting ready for their game next week so that things don't get any easier. No. They're going to face offenses. They're going to face guys who can sling the ball around, and the challenge should be completely different with Justin Herbert than right. it was with Lamar Jackson. So while we're talking about the negative stuff, let's go back and do a little snippet, I mean a little two or three minutes on a positive thing. And right now we're going to go with our Big Cedar Golf best drive of the game. And so that is my cue to Tucker Franklin. To get everything ready to go here on our segment for Big Cedar Golf. known as America's next great golf destination with courses designed by some of the top names in golf, guys like Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Tom. Plan your trip right now. And the drive that we're going to talk about for the big seater drive of the game was they were going back and forth. The offenses, Lamar Jackson goes up, makes a fantastic athletic play, finding a wide open receiver in the play that you guys were just talking about. Traverse, we're not going up. They get the touchdown. Chiefs get the ball back. The Ravens seem like they have some momentum. Chiefs get the ball back and and best tight end to ever play the game does what the best tight end to ever play the game does. It was the last time the Chiefs scored, not to try to be too negative about it, but. You fantastic. couldn't just let it be positive for hey, three minutes. It's going to be minutes. positive here from here on out because I think you saw one of the best touchdowns you are going to see for the entirety of the season with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Both put an outstanding performance on that last play to try to extend, to, to, to find pay dirt. You know, they, the Chiefs benefited from a penalty early on in that drive, but then Patrick Mahomes rolls right, has to scramble, has to try to find the best tight end in football, throws a little bit back into the middle of the field, and Travis Kelsey does the rest. Travis Kelsey makes an outstanding play, an outstanding effort, and honestly, it, it was a full team effort there. All 11 guys had a great had a great moment. Trey Smith getting out of the way to try to, you know, let, tra- let Travis Kelsey get through and some really good blocks down the field. Travis Kelsey setting a few of those up outstanding effort from two of the best players the two best players at their position to get a big touchdown put the chiefs up 35 points that's the last points of the game yeah right now we're going to bring maddie lane on here in a minute but before we do that we're going to take a quick look at some of the other shows here on the network at kc sports network And welcome back to the bullpen bar and grill out here in Overland Park again. Got all our Chiefs coverage, five shows a week. We right there are showing off the college side of our network. But we welcome on Maddie Lane. Maddie, we watched this game together. You've been listening and <laughs> coming up with your measured takes for the defense. And now we're just going to give you a platform and just let you go. 
measured, measured is a strong word for the uh, takes that I have right now because uh, I'm not I'm not as calm as Craig is. <laughs> I, I unleash a little bit more. So I, I'll straight up say it. I think that the Chiefs front seven played one of the worst games in all of football that I've ever seen in 20 plus years of like understanding football. Just watching what they did was bad from on every level. I think Andy Reid got up on the presser and just talked about bad tackling, not being able to get off blocks. I'm watching the game. I see guys who don't even know what gap they're supposed to be in. I'm watching linebackers sprint into the same gap that the unblocked defensive end is in, just giving wide open rushing lanes to everybody out there. It was pitiful. And I got to give the Ravens some credit. They came out and probably ran 13 different running schemes. They ran 13 different running plays minimum in this game, just throwing everything at the Chiefs. They had no idea how to stop it. So it was hard. It was a difficult game, guys, but that was bad. Like you, you can't tell me there's a single bright spot in that front seven that I can really buy into. I don't want to say it's unscouted uh, necessarily, but I know that the Ravens tried to go away from some of what their identity has been the last couple of years against the Raiders. So there might have been some things maybe that the Chiefs, I don't want to say they didn't prepare for, but maybe I wonder if the time allocation is the same that you normally should devote to some of the things that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have done in that era. I almost wonder if there was some time devoted to some of the other stuff that the, that the Ravens put on tape against the Raiders. Oh, absolutely. I think we talked about it. I mean, on the lab, or we talked about it off, you know, podcast too. The Ravens came out with a relatively normal, relatively traditional attack versus the Raiders. Drop back. It, yeah, yeah, it I clearly mean, didn't work. They ran a ton of inside zone. They even got away from that, did outside zone. All of a sudden against the Chiefs, you were getting every read option under the book. You're getting guys pulling from the play side to the backside, anticipating they're going to pull the ball. It was hard. It was a difficult game to see as the Chiefs, but I think that the Chiefs just had no idea how to stop it. I don't think there was as much of a tackling issue as kind of Andy Reid talked about. I just think guys weren't getting there. Nobody was available to miss a tackle because they were all busy either getting blocked or running the wrong direction. One of the things that we haven't even talked about yet, Manny, and I think you actually illuminated that on Twitter. We haven't even mentioned the fact that this was a beat-up offensive line that the Chiefs just went up against. Ronnie Stanley didn't even play. And I think you said a, a backup center was playing right tackle for the Ravens this week. Yeah, the best player on this Ravens offensive line is Kevin Zeitler. He's their by far their best player, and he's still good, not great. He's no longer the same guy he was a couple years ago. Their best offensive lineman is a good player, and they just ran the Chiefs' front seven off the field. Like, if you want to use a basketball analogy, they kicked them off the court so bad, everybody had to leave and go home before, you know, they could even say a word. Like, it was bad. And you have a backup left tackle playing who looked terrible. He probably got Max Crosby near Max money because he was so <laughs> bad last week. That's how bad he was. You have a backup center who couldn't even play for a beat out a center last year that couldn't snap a football. He was that guy's backup. He's playing right tackle, and you would never know watching this game that those were the two offensive tackles out there. So you can look at the box score, and I know you can always make fun of box scores. You can look at third down and red zone defense, and I'll tell you the story of a lot of what happened. Ravens 6 of 11, over 50% converting on third down, and they were 4-4 in the red zone. Well, I think you that, lose by one point makes a difference. The Chiefs are now, what, 9 for 9 in the red zone on defense, giving up a touchdown now? Like, they can't stop anybody from scoring. And that was a huge thing they talked about all camp, all offseason, was getting better at their red zone defense. And we can talk all we want about Willie Gay not being there and how that might hurt this team based on their plans. Willie Gay's not taking you from 100% you know, failure rate in the red zone to respectable. Like, he's a fast, very good linebacker, but there's no guarantee he makes you better. That's 100% touchdown rate when you red zone. That's just, you can't do that. So what's the level of the defense that disappointed you the most this week? 
the linebackers. I think there's, I don't see anything the linebackers are doing particular. Anthony Hitchens looks like he's slow to process again. He looks like this is going back to his first year in the Steve Spagnuolo defense or in Bob Sutton's defense. That he's just, he's not only trying to process what the offense is doing, but he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing as well. I think Nick Bolton, when you put him on the line of scrimmage or you run blitz, and he is very good at a very specific linear path. But when you got him isolated in space, it didn't look great. When it was in coverage, it was difficult. And I think in the second half, the Ravens did a great job isolating him yeah. and finding a way to get him to pick the wrong gap. And Lamar Jackson just took the other one over and over again. So just the second level has no no star power. And even when Willie Gay comes back, he's a second-year guy that didn't play much as a rookie. Who's your playmaker on the second level? I don't know if the Chiefs have one. And you kind of need one on every level in the NFL now. Well, I think the Willie Gay injury was the limit named a little bit here because the athleticism that he presented, I mean, he was having an outstanding, honestly, I mean, I, he was having an outstanding preseason, but the defensive line was having an outstanding preseason Willie, too. Willie Gay being healthy for this doesn't change this. You know, it, all of a sudden it doesn't go out there and all of a sudden this defense yeah. is playing significantly better. Right. I'm not going to be significantly disappointed, and I'll be honest because I'm trying to put my thoughts together, so I'm trying not to swear. Um, but I'm not going to be overly upset about Chris Jones being in the situation he was because I don't expect Chris Jones, the situations he was in, to make the right read and make those kinds of plays. If he did, I think all of us would be, our jaws would be on the floor right now if he went out and was making some of those plays in space the ways they were asking him to do it. What I was getting frustrated is it seemed like they kept asking him to do that and they couldn't figure out a way to not put him in that position. I think that's huge. They The Chiefs did not do a good job last week or this week finding a way to get Chris Jones out of being isolated on plays to where he could be read and having to play not only two gaps, but play two gaps and to the sideline. They're asking him to play the entire C gap all the way through the D gap to the outside. That's hard for any defensive end, let alone a guy just making that transition. My disappointment, though, is there was a couple times where the Ravens did have to drop back and pass. And after the first two third and longs, it became very clear that nobody on this Chiefs defensive line was going to make a play. That includes Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, all these big-name guys they brought in. Even on third and long, when you know it's a pass, they couldn't beat the not-great blocker in front of them. They could not take advantage of that ever. The only pressures came on stunts or blitzes. That was the only time they got pressure, and then that usually came with a little bit of a coverage breakdown behind it. Maddie, I want to talk a little bit about the offense here. Because we should. We probably should. There's a lot of things to unpack there, too, because we talked a lot about the Ravens. What identity are they going to keep? Are they going to try to be themselves? Are they going to try to do some of the things that they normally do there? Are they going to blitz Mahomes into oblivion? They're going to play a lot of man coverage. But I think the back half of that game and the last 20 minutes of that game, we saw a lot of three-man rushes, and it didn't look like the Chiefs handled it particularly well. So what the Ravens were doing in the second half, the first half they only blitzed about 18% of the time, I think they saw, which is like well under yeah. half of what they normally yeah. do. Yeah. By the end of the game, they were rushing three, and they were using either a linebacker or uh, Jason Oa uh, was coming off as a delayed blitz, usually on a looper. They were trying to catch Patrick Mahomes stepping up into the pocket. They did a good job adjusting to Mahomes not escaping out the back door. They did a good job that he was stepping up into a good pocket. They were sending a looper coming around through the middle to come in and make that play. That, I mean, that's how we got the Mahomes interception. That got a couple other pressures on him. I think Mahomes just has to calm down a little bit in these situations. They do think there was room to maneuver. He was just trying to play really quick, get towards the line of scrimmage as fast as possible, and they were able to make them pay a little bit for doing that. Travis Kelsey finished this game with seven catches for 109 yards and a touchdown, and in this game became the fastest tight end in NFL history 
to reach 8,000 career yards. So if you're looking for some positives, looking for some things, guess what? Travis Kelsey is still fucking good at football. Well, and on the top of that, the Ravens treated him like Calvin Johnson in his prime at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes <laughs> they literally lined two defensive backs over him like he was a gunner on punt team and said, "Hey, we're gonna double jam you and just play." inside and outside leverage and man coverage, and he still had 109 yards and looked unstoppable most of the night. All right, Maddie, I know you didn't want this team to play for a field goal, but you kind of saw they got started started to get on the backs on the uh, in the Ravens' side of the field, and it looked like some things got adjusted in the first play. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, turn around, hand the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. After two big pass plays. The entire game, the Ravens couldn't really stop the Chiefs from passing the ball. I mean, yes, there was the interception, but for the most part, yeah. the Chiefs were moving the ball at will through the air. You got that. We get to that two-minute warning. I looked right at you guys and I said, "They are gonna play for the field goal. That's what Andy Reid's gonna do." But please don't do it. Like that's just <laughs> where it's gonna come down to. You can't play for the field goal there and coming out of the two-minute warning like we're gonna run this handoff. I do think that the ball didn't get fully in Clyde Edwards-Helaire's arm. I don't think he was holding it great. Which whether you want to blame him, Pat, just whatever the play is, you know that's kind of up in the air. It's a team thing. But the play call just drove me crazy. It was unfortunate to see Joe Tooney couldn't help Creed Humphrey on the inside, get back outside, kind of let a guy slip right through and force the fall. It was just a bad play overall. It's just the mentality. I think you have to go for a touchdown there. It, you can kick the field goal and win the game. I get it. But you're moving the ball so well through the air, you can keep playing the quick passing game and get down the field and run the clock. I mean, you just did it to get to the two-minute warning. Why change from that? The Ravens weren't giving you a please run the ball at us. Look, they weren't changing their defense. They'd run the same thing all night. Just keep throwing the ball. They weren't in field goal range. Like they were kind of fringe field goal range anyway at that point. They weren't in it. It wasn't like it was going to be a chip shot to win the game. I felt like they should have just continued to put the ball in the best player in the world's hands. Patrick Mahomes. Two plays before that worked great. They got into Ravens territory immediately. And then what happens? Clyde, I, I, I'm going to be scratching my head about that for, for the rest of the week. Wait, and if you want to go back and look and you want to see linebackers playing seven yards off the line of scrimmage and a three-man line and say, hey, we just had the numbers, we had to take it, so be it. But that wasn't what happened. The Ravens were still having to play and honor the run for just that. The Chiefs could run the four-minute offense, run all the time off, kick a field goal and win. So the Ravens couldn't give up free yardage on the ground. They weren't trying to, and the Chiefs just kind of ran right into it. I really hope this wasn't a situation where somebody came to Andy and just said, hey, we've run the ball 12 times all night, and he's just trying to put an extra run in there. I don't think he would at the two-minute no. warning part. Yeah. It's just it didn't make sense with the game plan for the entire fourth quarter. The entire fourth quarter was throwing the ball, and then all of a sudden in this situation, they decide to go with the run. It's hard. It's easy to play hindsight now, but I mean, like I said, we all kind of knew it at the beginning. Don't play for the field goal at that point in time, and it just unfortunately resulted in a fumble on a run play of all things. Well, they they stalled out for they stalled out for offensively twenty minutes. Like this is not an offense that was humming and firing on all cylinders for the for a big a third of the game, mm. and they kind of pivot back to you know trying to turn around and hand the football off a little bit. I don't love the game management at the end, and I know that's saying a lot about Andy Reid, who's one of the best coaches. But I don't love the decisions made here. I would have liked to see them get a little farther into the red and get get close to that red zone before they start playing that game management. The Ravens are out of timeouts, or they have one timeout. I think they were out of timeouts at that point, or did they have one? I think they were out, but it was out or one. They didn't have enough to. They didn't have enough to really 
put, put force the Chiefs' hands too much from a game management perspective. Yeah, no matter where, if the Chiefs got into field goal range, that game is over or depends on if the kick is made or not. You don't have to start running the clock out at like the 50-yard line or just past it where they were. You can very easily move the ball down to the 30 or the 25 before starting to just worry about running the clock out. So put the best players in the best positions to make plays, and that was Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes ah, over yes, and over Patrick again. Mahomes, Please yeah. don't give the ball off to somebody else at this point in time. All right, before we let everybody go, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, especially when we're, we're all pissed off, except for the you know 19 probably Ravens fans in the comments talking trash. You know what? Enjoy it. You guys got a big win. At your home place, Sunday Night Football. We're going to see you again. Before we let you go, Maddie, final take. Trey Smith's really good at football, guys. I'm going to end it positively. I think Trey Smith, like, I think last week Creed Humphrey probably played a better game than Trey Smith did, but both played really well. Trey Smith was just more exciting. This one, I really think Trey Smith played excellent. I mean, whether it was in the run game, in the pass game, he was cleaning guys out of the interior. The, the kind of help that he was giving Lucas Niang against Justin Houston a lot of the night was phenomenal. I think he was putting guys in the dirt left and right. I mean, I, we talked about it in that Travis Kelsey amazing touchdown play. Trey Smith gets downfield somehow avoids Travis Kelsey coming back across the field, then pancakes the linebacker chasing him. And that was like the third pancake we saw tonight. So I think Trey Smith, if you're a Chiefs fan, you mean, we all know this already, right? We know he's, he's good. He's good at football. And he just looks better and better each and every week. So if you want to hang your hat on something new, hang it on Trey Smith. And this whole offensive line, I think, as a whole, played actually really well in this game. Kent, what's your final take? Well, this team really hasn't had a ton of adversity the last couple of years. You think about how easy it was for them to get to the Super Bowl. And I know they got stomped in the Super Bowl, but leading up to that moment, it was the it was the it was the Raiders game that they kind of lost a little bit of focus and it seemed like they really weren't all the way into it. But there wasn't a ton of you know moments like this that they had to look in the mirror. They definitely had a taste in their mouth the entirety of the offseason, but there was a little bit of circumstantial stuff around that with the offensive line, all that stuff. This team, this is this team. This is what this team is moving forward. This is the team that they've got to take into February if they want to win a Super Bowl. So I do think that there is going to be some opportunities for them to look in the mirror and have some opportunities to, you know, try to try to come out of this and get better. And this is the probably one of the bigger gut punches for this football team in the last couple of years outside of the Super Bowl, obviously. But regular season, we haven't seen this kind of adversity. I don't think it's a little bit different. Everyone, in, Everybody's got to look in the mirror. And I think this could ultimately be a good thing. Yeah, I think we're going to all rationalize it in that way. And the reason that we can do that is because of the cliches that we talk about all the time. And we talk about the leadership and this and then that. It's week two. They have all the time to figure it out. And they have the pieces in place that have proven throughout their careers to be able to overcome weeks like this and as much as we can sit here and say the defense is, is the worst performance you have ever seen by any defense ever they lost by one point to one of the best teams in the AFC on the road in prime time it was a game that was always going to mean more to Baltimore than it is the Chiefs maybe that's just cocky Chiefs fan saying that but at the end of the day as long as everybody stays healthy the Chiefs are going to be in this at the end of the season yeah. so as much as we want to freak out about this and say we can't win the Super Bowl without this I 2019 was not that long ago. They lost to Indy. They lost to Houston. They lost to Tennessee, and everyone thought everybody had to get fired. We had to get rid of everybody because that's just the everything has to be everything right now. It's week two. They didn't play well. This game sucked. If you're not Travis Kelsey, you're not records. It sucked on every level because even all the stats of Mahomes never losing in September, no interceptions, all those freaking things, we don't even get to talk about those anymore. But the good news is we got another 47 minutes. 
to cry about this one, to be upset about this one, and then we all get to move on as fans, right? That's the way this all works? Yeah, totally. They're, we're definitely not airing the grievances on the KC Laboratory live tomorrow, Monday at 6.30. That's You're not catching happening. What I'm throwing. You are catching <laughs> what I'm throwing. We appreciate everybody again for tuning in for this late-night show. Appreciate Maddie Lane, Kent Swanson, Tucker behind the glass. Or not glass. I don't know why I said that. There's behind glass the on lights. the iPad. We're good. Yeah, behind the yeah, iPad. So we're good to go. Again, appreciate everybody for listening, for supporting what we're doing here at KC Sports Network. We will catch you next week as the Chiefs take on the Chargers at noon. So that'll be an earlier show. And again, catch these guys along with Craig Stout on the Laboratory Live tomorrow night at 630. Chiefs Smith, guys. Get ready for it. We'll see you guys. Thank you. Be good to people. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.